Hi, welcome to The Bottom Line with Bob and Kendall Ehrlich. We have very exciting news this week and a couple of items that we're going to talk about before we get into the real meat. What's that? But this (laughs) is one of the best books that you'll ever read. I'm not biased whatsoever. (laughs) Yes, you are. Okay, I might be. (laughs) Original, Unconventional, and Inconvenient. Fabulous. By Governor Bob Ehrlich, highlighting the Trump years. Yeah. So uh, these are author's copies. Uh, a bunch of people have bought the book already on Amazon. I believe it'll be available on Amazon in two weeks, uh, two, two and a half weeks around that. It'll be in bookstores out on Amazon, uh, hopefully a lot of different places around the country. So we're very excited about my fifth book. It analyzes the Trump years from, from a detached, a, a pro, but detached way, I think is the right way to say it. Well, I read it, and I love the guy, so it must be pretty pro. <laughs> Thank you, honey. <laughs> well, there's there's one purchaser. <laughs> anyway, uh, very proud of the book, Fifth One, and uh, I, I do believe it'll be interesting for folks who love the president, even folks who may uh, like him, like his policy, maybe not like him so much, and folks on the other side who want to understand the, the ways, means, and ends of uh, the president and his administration. Seriously, uh, I just want to say that you love to write, yep. and you really are a great writer. Thank you, babe. And you write in a way that people read as if you were speaking, and you know, sort of the theme of this show, common sense. Common yep. sense. When you're a leader right now with common sense, boy, do we need you? Do we miss you? Do we love you? Yes, because that's what people are looking for, and it's 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 a time that... We, you almost have to teach common sense, which is kind of shocking for many of us in yeah. my era and your era. Yeah. Speaking of common <laughs> sense or more maybe traditional values, just tradition, we spent yesterday afternoon at Geneva College watching a D3 football game our son play, uh, Geneva against Washington and Jefferson. It was homecoming. It was a pretty packed stadium beautiful day on beautiful a mountaintop star spangled banner nobody kneeled it was a terrific college football game almost an upset they uh, had a homecoming court yeah it where was they introduced all of the members of the homecoming court their backgrounds what they're studying uh and then had a crowning of the you loved it queen. You, we it loved it really it was americana it was very americana it was americana in 2021 and it was a bunch of pretty good athletes out there in that field, D3 players. Some, some kids clearly could have played up at another school, a higher level, but they're in D3 for one reason or another, and they love it. They play for the love of the game. Very close game, very competitive game, terrific coaching, terrific atmosphere. We cannot say enough about uh, how well we were welcomed there. Uh, it's just a terrific experience. So, again – uh, West, uh, Western there, Pennsylvania. There are good things Near happening Ohio. in this country, and college football yeah. is back, and that's great for our country. Speaking of our country, uh, by the way, this is just another just tidbit here before we get to our four main storylines this week. Senator Rubio, interesting guy, uh, state of Florida, United States senator, has a great national following. Uh, he has a bill out there that would force, quote-unquote, woke companies to make a tough choice. That's the headline of this commentary I read in the Western Journal. So we have the – going back a couple of years, we have President Trump and the anti-China rhetoric and then the anti-China uh, policies. We have the Chamber of Commerce and Wall Street sort of hitting back, 
big time hitting back during the course of the campaign with their dollars. Uh, then we have the uh, the uh, Great Awakening, so-called, of American corporate consciousness. Um, we have a, a woke capitalist approach with regard to many companies in our country. And, and we've seen it play out now for the past year or two, three or four. So Senator Rubio got a little tired of this, and he has a bill out there called the Mind Your Own Business Act. <laughs> 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 Very subtle. Uh, Straightforward. It would force sure. corporate directors to testify in court that they were acting in their company's best interests when taking political actions if sued by shareholders. Now, we're not blessing this bill. Uh, we obviously do not like woke. We oppose woke. But I haven't read the bill. I've read about the bill. Uh, we understand the genesis of the bill. Um, but we also are lawyers. We know that there's a fiduciary duty now for corporate boards uh, to act in the best interest of shareholders. So the, the, the issue well, that we have was yeah. what, what's the difference about this? Well, to the extent that woke is taking the corporation down a different line than supporting the shareholders, there could be an issue there. Well, but that's still fiduciary duty. But what this bill does is change the burden of proof. Well, <laughs> that's the big legal change. Listen, I'm but not- that's that's an interesting legal argument because should it be shifted at that point? Well, that's like in- that's what the bill says. Obviously, we're talking now about actions. Uh, for instance, uh, uh, companies that so may the have- burden of proof is on the company. Right, right. The right. woke correct, company. Correct, correct. You know, we had the All Star Game taken out of. Uh, out of uh, uh, Georgia, as a, uh, that was maybe one example of woke. We have uh, certain financial institutions refusing to underwrite maybe gun manufacturers. Another example. So, as some parts of corporate America become more left, this bill seeks to maybe even the playing field a little bit. As I said, we're not blessing the bill. We understand the reason for the bill. We understand the enthusiasm for the bill. We understand we the don't frustration. Know we don't right. know enough about it. But it's worth taking a look at because it would uh, it, it's certainly a clear signal to the Chamber of Commerce that some Republicans, yeah. at least in Congress, are, are a little tired of this stuff. Right. And creative ways of fighting back. Yeah, well, that's a good point. So we have four main storylines this week, and they're all major stories dominating the headlines. And we thought we would just hit them one one as we go. And the first is the one we've been talking about, of course, a $3.5 trillion spending bill. Again, to recap, we have the $1.2 somewhat infrastructure bill that has real infrastructure in it. And we have this $3.5 trillion bill that they, these two bills have been connected together. This is a so-called human infrastructure bill. Uh, they're tied together, Democratic leadership early on, president tied to the, really the, 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 the uh, progressives in the House, specifically one of them tied together. And, and again, we have uh, Senators Sinema and Manchin in the Senate resisting $3.5 trillion. They've been called all sorts of bad names by their uh, Democratic brothers and sisters in the House. Uh, but not their constituents, <laughs> which might matter. I love a your point. <laughs> uh, the left really wants the larger bill. This is the Green New Deal, things we talked yeah, about last week. they're digging in. They're digging in. Uh, and then last week, the reason we bring this story up again, it, it, it's the number one story in the country, but the reason that we wanted to revisit it just briefly is this comment by the president that 
the bill will add zero dollars to the national debt. We're talking three point oh. five trillion dollars here. So, please again, that statement along the lines of no consequences for the U.S. economy, no consequences for the private sector, no consequences for those earning. This is repeated again. Those under four, earning under four hundred thousand dollars a year. It's as though the economy is static. It's as though the spending. And the taxes that will follow, we talked about the taxes last week as well, are static, not dynamic. Everybody knows that's just not true. Right. It's a dynamic economy. Well, Companies make decisions, hiring decisions, particularly on the basis of a lot of factors, including marginal tax rates. This one is... Uh, <laughs> it's too much. Yeah, it's just this one's a, it's maybe just a step too much, too far. and I think... Uh, and people know, people know it, and they resent that. Well, again... Uh, those same folks at the Chamber of Commerce who were less than enthusiastic about President Trump and China and some of the rhetoric and the mean tweets are maybe having a little second thoughts now when they look at this potential, not only spending bill, but also the taxes, particularly the increase in corporate taxes we discussed last week that uh, will go along with this new spending. And again, philosophically, this gets to what the progressive left wants to do, which is truly punish job creators. That's what this is about. It's class warfare again. It will lead to less investment, less growth, uh, and in our view, hit middle class, working class people disproportionately, which is never good policy. So, and again, in a more philosophical sense here, and I don't want to get into this in great detail in this show, but if you look at the rhetoric and the positions of the new left, I'm not talking about more traditional Democrats, so-called moderates, although very few left really, uh, but even liberals, we're talking about the progressive left. They want to make America look like Western Europe and Western European economies. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not socialists in the traditional sense, but every step here is an incremental move toward that gigantic public sector. Just a gigantic, ever-expanding public sector and, and a, a shrinking private sector. What we've seen in Western Europe over the past few decades. That's their goal. That truly is their goal. But their goal is further than that because regarding speech, certainly. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm talking about now. You're just talking economics, the economics. Economics, okay. economics and, and the size of government. The marginal tax rates, the size of government, uh, GDP. Uh, they're not terribly excited about capitalism. They're not terribly excited about growth. It's more the Obama era limited horizons growth. And that's certainly been the path of Western Europe over the past few decades. And they want to replicate that here in America. And if this bill passes in its present form, which we don't think is going to happen, uh, some folks are out there thinking that in the end, they'll pass a smaller bill, which is still going to be Terrible. We can't afford, but that a cinema and mansion will find common ground, and then the Uber uh, uh, left members in the house will just cry bloody murder, but they'll go along with it. So that's one prediction from some folks. Who knows? Second issue here is it's every show. I'm not. We don't apologize for talking about this every show because every week. The news is just terrific. It's more bad news. It's more finger-pointing, more caravans from Central America, more frustration by our border agents, more unvaxxed people led into the country, more bad optics for the administration, more, more, more negative at the southern border. It's almost too depressing to talk about. (laughs) And I've really stopped listening to it because it doesn't change. And they don't have any plans to make a change. I just hope that maybe some of these states start taking things into their own hands. The federal government isn't going to protect the border. Then the states there should be able to protect the border. Now, I know the courts are intervening, and we'll, we'll have a bunch of legal battles, as we know. 
But I'm telling you, they have every right to do that to protect their citizens, in my view. I think the view of a lot of people, Republican and Democrat. So this past week, I uh, tweeted on this. We had the mayor of Laredo, Texas. He took off. Democratic mayor. Democratic mayor. Popular Democratic mayor. And he came out and said what we've talked about on this show, what a lot of folks have been talking about for the last 10 months. What was working under the Trump administration was working. <laughs> Going back in history here a couple of years, year one, year two of the Trump administration, there were still problems, caravans at the border. It was a mess. President Trump negotiated stay in Mexico. He doubled down on the wall. It really down helped. On the border patrol. It all helped, but particularly stay in Mexico because he had the support or at least the acquiescence, the indulgence of the Mexican government in that respect. It had to happen. It did. It quieted the border. It certainly did. So now we have this mayor talking truth. Well, yeah, he's got to be because he's got to protect his citizens. Well, he, he, it's, we, got, it, it, <laughs> it's just unbelievable for him to try to manage. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to pay for this. He's right. got to pay for all this, and he, and he can, obviously. So he talked about the need to secure the border, the need to fund more agents, not more social workers. Uh, and he was, he, I believe he's taking a shot at the $3.5 trillion bill. Um, and he talked about so some Democrats in the Congress have the same mentality with regard to the border as they did with defunding law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And that kind of makes sense because the parallel here, the commonality is not a lot of respect for the law, for oh, yeah. law it's, enforcement. It, they'd rather have more IRS agents than they would border <laughs> agents. Yeah. Uh, that's all you need to know. It's a selective I mean, No, seriously. I mean, it's true. Yeah, well, it's in the bill. Um, he also talked about the need to reform our asylum system. We know we have great compassion. Americans are compassionate people. We have great compassion for people truly seeking asylum. Right. But 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 most of the people right now coming over the border aren't doing that at all. We suspect that's the case, that these are not majority asylum seekers. They're, they're economic migrants. Right. They, listen, and that's, they're trying to improve their lot in life. We get that. But you can't just literally have an open border. You know, asylum's asylum. He talked about the need for asylum reform, uh, remote application. That's the deal. He also made this great point, babe. You've made this point. This is supposed to be from the left. Oh, we can't have borders and we, it's borderless and, and that's humane. Well, the, the cages aren't humane. The, the sex trafficking isn't humane. The drugs. The drugs aren't humane. What's happening down there to these poor people isn't humane. There's nothing humane about what's going with a borderless border. It's chaos. It's chaos. And he made this point, and, and we certainly agree with him. And... and, and when you look to the hu humanity element here, just the raw humanity, so many of these people are used by the cartels. They're used and abused. And we said you talked about the sex trafficking. So this is not compassion at all. It's misplaced compassion for those who want to believe it. But all you have to do is check the reports of the media. Even the media has to, has been forced to at least cover part of this. This is not humane in any respect. So, um, and then I just need to add this. What was the big story? What did we talk about last week? It dominated. Everybody talked about the Haitians. Right. Where are they? <laughs> Where are they? Did they stop coming? No, they were uh, dispersed across uh -huh. America right. is what occurred. And again, uh, nothing against Haitians or anybody, anybody 
it's not humane. It's not fair. It's it's terrible, particularly for children, for young people, for young mothers. Here, it's it's uh, a terrible situation, and it's leaderless at this point. And who, and who's going to pay for it all? Uh, I'm looking at her. Right. So. Uh, and you're talking yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah, we're talking. And we're yeah. Right. Hello. <laughs> um, third issue: congressional testimony with respect to Afghanistan. Even terrible stories in this 10-second world, this five-second world, this Twitter world, this social media world we have, even real important stories tend not to have legs. I'm not sure Watergate would have legs these days because we'd be onto something else. I mean, who knows, given the limited attention span that is a function of 24-7 cable, talk radio, social media, how we live how we consume political news these days, right? Mm -hmm. So we had interesting testimony last week that confirms what we've talked about on our show. Lots of shows out there, right, left. Some Democrats have expressed their disappointment, their frustration. We have problems with our military leadership, a woke Pentagon, big time. But with respect to Afghanistan, it appears that uniformly the major military leaders involved told the president that 2,500, maybe I think General McKenzie said 3,500 was the appropriate number to make sure that chaos did not ensue, that to make sure that the uh, Afghan army would fight, to make sure that we could service uh, our helicopters, the whole nine yards. So with respect to the president, you'll recall that, and this ran big time last week on the media, he told George Stephanopoulos that he could not recall that advice. So somebody's Lying. misremembering <laughs> or somebody's misremembering. There's a conflict here. It's either the president is not forthcoming or he really did not recall the advice he got. I'm not sure which one it was, but regardless, uh, this is a debacle, was a debacle, continues to be a debacle. There's still Americans left behind, still Americans left behind. We still have friends in the intelligence community, former military, who I talk to on a daily, weekly basis, we're not going to use names here, who are working on getting Americans and our Afghan allies, those who really saved American lives, out of Afghanistan. Weeks and weeks later. But when confronted about resigning, General Milley said, I'm not resigning. I'm not going to. <laughs> resign? Resign. I mean, he was insulted that he would resign. So we're being asked to resign. So the private efforts are ongoing. Uh, our allies are worried. The bad guys are But wait a minute. We have to go by that. Because there's no consequence then. There's always no consequence. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, issues with the, at the end of the Obama administration, investigations into all kinds of various people, you prosecutors, mean- et cetera, uh, all kinds <laughs> of things going on in the FBI. And there's no consequence, none whatsoever. And, I th- and that really grates the average person out there, too. How, how is that? Because they work their job to a certain degree, so they know that they won't get fired or asked to resign, or they comply with regulations and all kinds of rules in life in order to make their living. And yet these folks don't. And, and they lie about things, or they make terrible decisions, and as a result, people died as a result yeah. of these terrible decisions. Yeah. And yet, in, in a, just an unprecedented... Um, very cocky, defiant way. No, I'm, I'm not. I would never resign. 
there are no consequences because and people resent it. The dominant, the party that won, and the party that uh, is this administration and the majority in Congress either want to get by it, just get over it, or think this was not a loss. Think. This went swimmingly or happy we're out. Think oh, how could they with that well, video? Some people that comes do. From there. Some people do. Some people do. So clearly what we have at work here, your point's well taken. I agree. A lot of people agree. No repercussions, no consequences for bad decisions. Nobody will lose their job. Nobody will lose their job. There's no discussion of it. And an acquiescent press, an indulgent media, a legacy media fully on board with the Democratic majority and the Biden administration will ensure that's the case. So, again, if people really care about this issue, if they want to remind the powers that be that this is unacceptable, they're not going to get a real opportunity to... Until they vote. Until they vote. And that's the midterms. Last storyline this week, we haven't talked a whole lot about this, but I think it's important we spend our last few minutes this week, babe. Vaccine mandates. Now... I think it's important. It's so funny when any of us write a center, Republicans, conservatives, whatever, whenever we talk about this, we feel compelled to make this statement. We're pro-vax. <laughs> it's because we know that a lot of folks out there on TV and the media say, oh, anti-vaxxers, right-wing kooks, right-wing nutcakes, and all that stuff. So we're on record. Are we on record? We have a commercial in Maryland where we came out and, and said, please get vaxxed early on with respect to the new vaccines. We're vaxxed, fully vaxxed. Our kids are fully vaxxed, the whole nine yards. Our kids didn't have but a choice. we also but. believe it's a personal decision that people should consult their doctor. Well, here's what we believe. Let me just, let me, and you can, I'm sorry, to, but here's what we believe. We believe that you should be vaxxed. We particularly believe you should be vaxxed if you're a healthcare worker, if you're over 65 years old. That is just clear. clear. That's clear. And that's the science. If you're working in a nursing home yes. setting oh my or Lord. Yes. assisted living no setting. No-brainers. These are no-brainers. Now, if you're young, you're 22-year-old, if you're an 18-year-old athlete, we think that you should talk to your consult your doctor. Not Dr. Fauci, who doesn't treat patients. <laughs> consult your doctor, the person who treats you. And, uh, and and that's where we are. So that being said, did I say that correctly for us? That's correctly. That's I, correct. Um, and if other people have are younger and have concerns, then you know it's still a free country. It's supposed well, to be a free country. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> you read it's supposed my notes. to be. Well, so so now I we see. Have. I also hear on the news all the time how we're becoming less of a free country. Well, in September 9th, the president announced that we would, he would through OSHA. Uh, lead a COVID-19 mandate for businesses, obviously uh, federal vendors, the whole nine yards, of 100 employees or more. And there's a great article, again, in Western Journal this week from a doctor, Jason Phillips is his name, uh, and he made some really really good points, and I just feel as though we we should repeat them. Um, One with regard to vaccine mandates, and he talks about... uh, the history of vaccine mandates, smallpox, 30% morbidity rate here, right. you know, years ago. And it was a mandate. If they're constitutional. They are constitutional. Some folks on the right, unconstitutional. No, they're pretty constitutional. That was 30%. I mean, that was right. an existential, quote unquote, threat. This one, 1.6, last number I've seen, uh, focused on elderly, folks that are very sick, folks that are obese, folks with other conditions. We know that for the most part. Not the situation we had with smallpox, um, which is a really interesting point. The other point he makes is 
there was a difference with regard to smallpox because those edicts came from state local government where citizens could express their their opposition to their elected officials. <laughs> this one is coming through OSHA. This is going through OSHA. You're going to call OSHA as a constituent, uh, a, a person who lives in this country? I don't think so. So we have this interesting... Um, and he concludes with vaccine mandates make sense for those who work in hospitals, taking care of the sick and vulnerable. Our point, even before COVID, hospitals required their employees to have a whole host of vaccines. Good point. But do requirements for vaccines make as much sense for a tech company whose employees work from home? Hardly. This is uh, concluding. Uh, and you know, also with our workforce issues right now, we have lots of people that are just saying, "Okay, well then I'm I'm going to quit. I'm not going to work. Well, that I'm going to be out." Leads me to my and, next and, point, and that really is a problem right now. I mean, our workforce is a problem right now. So we have the pre-existing issue of lots of jobs and a lot of people who do not want to work. Right. Partly as a function of overpaying people not to work. Yes. Right. Now, Partly. on top of that problem, we have. Employers firing nurses, firing teachers, firing police. Now, some of this is many many of these folks are now ending up in the courts. But on top of the unfilled slots, we have now real shortages with respect to labor in these vital sectors of our economy. I know. Again, no common sense in in putting these out. I mean, really, it, it's just no long-term thinking, not thinking ahead. I mean, the effect is uh, really bad for our workforce. And I think it, not to mention, many people don't want to go back to work because they worked from home and they found out they could work from home. It's a lot easier. They saved lots of money and they want to be at home now. And so they don't want that job you got to show up for. Last, How's the federal government going to deal with that? Well, last point in that respect, there's a shaming, a public shaming campaign led by the president, and it's not going over so well. It's not going over so well with some Hollywood celebrities. It's not going over so well in the African-American community. It's not going over well so well in the nursing community. It's not going over so well in the pro-athlete community. Right. So, uh, again, uh, shaming is just not the right way to approach this. Our commercial... Right. Not the, what's the right way to approach it. Hey, and you've seen other it. other commercials. John <laughs> Legend has a commercial Plenty out. Plenty of commercials. Plenty. Uh, right and left. Doesn't matter. Right. Doesn't matter. Uh, particularly for the vulnerable populations, it's the right thing to do. No questions asked. Again, for others, talk to your doctor. It just makes all the sense in the world. Again, we really appreciate you listening to us. If you want more common sense... Read this uh, book. <laughs> read this book. <laughs> you read this book and you also head to BobErlich.com. When you do, you'll feel like you're not alone anymore. So thanks for listening. Godspeed, everyone. <laughs>